Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from our incarnate Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our text this day is our epistle lesson from Hebrews chapter 1 here, especially these verses. He, that is Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the text. You may be seated. Who remembers playing the telephone game as a young child? You know, where one person starts out the chain with a message spoken to another, and that one has to pass it on to the next person, and so on and so on, till it gets to the last person. Then at the end, you find out just how well the message got transmitted from one to the other to see if it's the same message that started out. I remember one high school English class where the teacher actually used that to demonstrate the challenges of human communication. Five or six of the class members played a game of telephone while the rest of us stayed in the classroom. So we knew what the message was really supposed to be and heard how it got relayed from one to the next, each step along the way, and just how badly it had been garbled and confused by the time it got to the last one. That's how it goes with human communication. We're forced to contend with incorrect or incomplete information. It's confusing, unclear. We can't be certain if what we're reading, seeing, or hearing is factual or correct. We find ourselves saying things like, wait, did he, what did he say? Did I hear that right? And of course, even if you did hear that right, well, you can't be sure that they got it right in the first place or that they aren't trying deliberately to mislead you. Even the transmission of God's word is subject to the same challenges when flawed humans are involved. Our epistle reading this Christmas day reminds us that long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. God's revelation was given in bits and pieces over time. From Moses through Malachi, each prophet received a new portion to bring the picture into clearer focus, a little bit like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. Oh, it was all one unified message of salvation in God's chosen one, the Messiah, but they simply didn't have the whole picture. Each was given only what he needed to know about his situation, his time, his place. It wasn't imperfect or incomplete. It was simply ongoing. And, of course, it needed to be reproduced by hand, which presents a whole other set of difficulties. 
In our time, all of this has caused people to raise objections to the Scriptures as the Word of God. The Bible can't be trusted. It's full of errors and contradictions. They've made all kinds of mistakes in copying. Who knows whether it's anywhere close to the original message. It's as bad as a game of telephone. Others question the very nature of the word itself. How can it be truly God's word? People use false names to write all the time, thinking that penning something in someone else's name will lend it more authority or credibility, but you never know who really wrote it or said it. This is one of the basic ideas behind agnosticism. Maybe there's a God. Maybe there isn't. Who really knows? How can you know? How can anyone be sure? Since we can't really know for sure, better just live our lives to the best of our ability and not really worry about it. There are also those who expect further revelation. I mean, if the message given to the prophets was only a part of a larger whole, well then, who's to say the scriptures as we have them aren't still unfinished? Enter the teachings of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Latter-day Saints and those Pentecostal types who claim to receive messages directly from the Lord through the Spirit and that those are just as valid and authoritative, perhaps even more so, than the written word on the page. Basically, the Bible is good, but it's not enough. This is all symptomatic of a general mistrust of the Bible. That what's been printed on the page can't be relied upon as being truly the word of God. In this climate of doubt and mistrust, what confidence do we have that Jesus of Nazareth is precisely whom we confess him to be? What makes us so sure that he truly is the Son of God, the Word made flesh? The writer of this epistle to the Hebrews says this, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Those two words, radiance and imprint, give us our confidence. The sun shines. That's just its nature. It can't help but give off light. Its radiance is a part of what it is. It's part of what makes it what it is. God's glory is his nature. And that nature radiates. It shines. It can't help it. It's just what God does. And our letter tells us that's what Jesus is. He is that radiance, that part of God's essential nature. 
if you'll allow me to be a little bit creative and probably coin a new word, Jesus is God's shiningness. But even more strongly, the writer calls Jesus the exact imprint of God's own nature. The Greek word here is literally character. It's really a sort of technical term that comes from the process of making, minting coins. It means the mark or the image that's left after a stamp or die presses on the metal. So think of a penny. I know, you probably can't see it, but I'm really holding up a penny. But think of a penny. The image of Abraham Lincoln on the head's side of that penny is the character of the die that made the coin. It's the exact representation of the original. Or you can think of it like a mold, like this one that I dug out of the Sunday school closet. You remember these? You fill them up with plaster of Paris, and then when the plaster hardens, you remove it from the mold, and what do you have? You have the exact reproduction in plaster of what this mold is. It also works with carving and engraving. If you have a chisel with a flat blade, it's going to make a flat, straight mark in the wood. If your chisel would have a V-shaped blade, it would make a V-shaped notch. If the chisel is rounded, it's going to leave a rounded groove. And that is what Jesus is. The character of God. The exact imprint of his nature. He is exactly what the Father is. There's no need for any further revelation, no need to doubt or mistrust, because the Word made flesh is here. And when you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. When you know Jesus, you know the Father. Jesus himself said so. Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The Christmas Gospel from John's prologue similarly declares, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. And what has He made known? That this incarnation wasn't for the sake of glory and honor, that it was for the sake of the cross. He took on human flesh to die, sacrifice himself for the sin of the world, and after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. After suffering, he was raised, 
After humbling himself, he was exalted. This Jesus, who was born a baby and laid in a manger, is the very face of Almighty God, and who's now seated at the Father's right hand, ruling over all things for his church. What child is this we sang last night? This is Christ, the King. But why lies he in such mean estate, where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christian, fear. For sinners hear the silent word is pleading. Nails, spears shall pierce him through. The cross be born for me. For you. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh. Come peasant, king, to own him. The king of kings salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. And this king of kings salvation brings to you. You have been given to know Christ. And knowing him, you know the Father. Jesus has come to you in baptism, clothing you with the very robe of his own righteousness, putting to death your sin, and raising you to new life in the Spirit. He has come to you this very morning with his word of absolution, releasing you from your sins for the sake of his suffering and death by which he paid for them. And he comes to you, bringing salvation again this very day in his holy supper, inviting you to take, eat and drink. This is my body and my blood given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. In these means of grace, we receive the one true Christ who is the exact imprint of God's very own nature. And because of that, we receive the Father himself. Our sins are forgiven. Life has been won. We have perfect union and fellowship with our Creator, just as he desired for it, just as he desired it for us to be in Eden. What was lost has been restored. It's a sure thing. No confusion. No doubt. No fear. Only everlasting joy and gladness. Raise, raise your song on high. The Virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy, for Christ is born. The babe the Son of Mary. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.